Welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War Game. I'm your host, Paul, and this is what Chops has been waiting for. I'm Chops, and uh, I have indeed been waiting for the launch of Malifaux 3rd Edition. And this is Potter, and apparently I am living in 2004. Well, when you're playing World of Warcraft, that is uh, very 2004. Mm, is it, though? Is it though? Still, still like the number one MMO in the world. Well, for me, it's certainly not past two thousand nine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I get. I got a friend of mine, Tim. He just sucks me back in, man. Every every time he starts playing, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'll go hang out with him. And then, like before I know it, I'm like progression rating and like throwing <laughs> my headsets and yeah. <laughs> it's... Well, that's why. That's why I'm glad that my WoW friend. Quit well. Quit about the same time I did. <laughs> yeah, my wild friend didn't. He's still playing yeah. the jerk. Yeah, and now and now I podcast with my wild friend. So yeah, yeah, indeed. From one crazy soul sucking hobby to another. Exactly. <laughs> Except for I still, yeah, but, but I do both. <laughs> yeah, but but you know this might be a soul sucking hobby, chops, but. I find that um, at least it's nine times out of ten, my my wife is far happier with this one than the other. Oh one. yeah, a hundred percent. Even with a podcasting schedule. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it it could be far worse. It could be. Sometimes sometimes I do hear the grumbling about the amount of stuff in my hobby room, but then I just say, "Do you want me to play WoW? That takes up less space." <laughs> <laughs> and then she throws a shoe at you. <laughs> But all right, guys, hobby progress. Can I go first this time? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, man, go for it. All right. So I think, and I, I don't remember if I'd finished by the last time we recorded. I don't think so. But since the last time we recorded, I finished, so painting with contrast paints. Uh, I finished one full unit of Bolton Cutthroats. I've got through two flayed men out of four in a unit of flayed men. Uh, and I've also fully painted six models for carnival uh and as far as carnival goes uh, it's another miniatures game surprise <laughs> surprise that, crack uh, pappy's sure at we'll, it yeah i'm sure we'll talk about it at some point i'm gonna try and not crack pappy this game because i had a specific objective when i bought it so um i'm going to gen con this year uh and i was looking for stuff to do at gen con and i i've been this will be my fifth time going uh, and I've been um, like I, I never have as much fun as I want to. It always like I, I have real, a really good time with my wife, and we always do fun stuff like beer tours. But I never end up playing as many games. Get married. It's not not yeah, getting married. Um, <laughs> that's fun. Wait, you guys got married, married at Gen Con? We did get married at Gen Con. We that's awesome. I did and not know had, that. Like, I did, and we had a Parks and Rec style wedding. Like we like eloped <laughs> in Indy because it's so easy to do it. Like, and the reason that we did it is because we were watching Parks and Rec, and we were like, "Is it really that easy to get married in Indianapolis?" And the answer is yes. It uh, is that easy. <laughs> I I will say that the the producers of the show did a very good job of making everything that you saw in that town very much true to the the, the area and the state in terms of laws and the how people acted and things. Like they did a good job of just making indie what indie is yeah in, in general yeah indie was uh indie's great but yeah so the moral of the story is i never play as many games as i want to that's what happens i have some really good experiences and i have some like really great role-playing experiences and stuff at gen con 
but I always feel like I spent too much time wishing I was playing a game and I wanted to play a minis game, but I also didn't want to play a tournament because playing a tournament means I spend a whole day and I wasn't ready to spend a whole day. So I tried to find a happy medium and the happiest medium I could find was a five hour event being put on by TT Combat. Uh, and it's a three round narrative scenario for between four and 12 players of Carnival. And so Carnival is a game that takes place in Venice uh, like a couple hundred years ago. Big magic thing opens in the sky. Magic shit comes out of it. So destroys a lot of the world. Venice is fine. But there's like weird swamp monsters and magic and vampires and all sorts of shit. And in any case, the, the narrative scenario is that there's some weird cargo that's coming to the docks at Venice in Venice and this weird cargo has some interesting whispers about it and there's going to be crews of different people assembling to find out what's in this mysterious cargo that uh, city officials and things don't know about so I'll be playing a three round scenario with a list that I bring so I've uh, basically because I knew with contrast paints I'd be able to do it I bought a crew box and have it uh, three-fourths painted in, in a day and a half of, or night and a half of painting. That's awesome. Nice. And they look good, too. Yeah, and the pictures you sent looked real good, too. I really like that, like, uh, Ezio kind of guy. Yeah, that dude's awesome. I think he's the one I'm most proud of, and also the one I spent the most time on. He's the one that least looks like I painted with contrast paints. Yeah. I took some time and made sure that he looked good. Uh, and I will say, man, if you uh, if you mix a little bit of apothecary white with a little bit of medium and a tiny bit of skeleton horde, it makes really cool drop shadows, uh, which is what you're seeing on that Ezio guy. I may um, have to you may have to have you send me that recipe because I was looking at it, I was like, this looks really good for stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty slick. I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. Um, but yeah, so that's my hobby progress. Uh, all in all, uh, 12, 18, 20 models in two weeks. Not bad. Not bad at all. That's pretty impressive, sir. Mm. All right, Paul, you go. Um, so I'm going in hardcore on this Paint Our Song of Ice and Fire armies by like mid-July or end of July or whatever it was that we decided it was. And as of right now, I'm pretty pretty darn close to being done. So the last time, just before the contrast paints came out, I was a good way done with one unit of Raiders, which actually I'm working on right now, because then I jumped over to contrast paints, gave the contrast paints a try just to see how they were, sat on it for a little bit, thought about it, decided what I was going to do, went out and bought the other colors that I thought I was going to need, uh, which means that I think it was maybe Saturday, and we're recording, what, Tuesday? Um, so it was about that time that I went whole hog into this. Um, and so since Friday, I painted um, a unit of cave dwellers, a uh, NCU uh, Val. And I painted a giant, which took me about 45 minutes to do. Um, Pretty damn impressive. Yeah, and he looks really freaking good. I was I was actually shocked with how good he came out. Yeah, he looks good. Um, so, I mean, right there, the unit of Cave Dwellers, that's 13 models. Val's 14, the giant's 15. 
Um, I'm pretty sure that after we record tonight, I'm going to start on the trappers. And I have in my mind how I'm going to do them. And I think I should probably have them done in about an hour, hour and a half maybe. Um, so my, my super secret goal, and I, I told Chris this earlier, but my super secret goal um, was to try and have my whole army painted by Thursday evening when Chris and I have a game scheduled. Um, and I was going to surprise him and be like, ha, you should paint more. But I told him what I'm doing, so <laughs> it won't be a surprise. But ha, you should paint more. I, I, I should because um, y'all's hobby progress makes me look like a um, in probably a politically incorrect word, so I'm not going to say it just so I don't want to piss anybody off. But yeah, I've done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have literally made zero hobby progress on our paint challenge now so, now yeah. that being said you have played a few I games thought you'll get there. so i mean that's a thing right did you no well we played a game me yeah, i well, so gaming i mean i've got a ton of gaming and like uh so you and i played a game um i played yeah so i played you uh i played a local guy brock uh with my basically first full game of a song on ice of fire um, and been going out to our league nights um, for a while West Exodus, but you know not been able to get in a game on those nights, so haven't really been playing the league. Um, I ran my first tournament since we've last spoke, uh, so that went really well. It was a low turnout, but everybody had some fun. Uh, I learned that's all that matters. That, that's that's worth some hobby, hobby progress yep, points. Yep. So so I did that. Um, I've got a I've got an official date for my next demo day for Wild West Exodus. So I've been been working that level of stuff lately. So not not been painting. Plus, um, I've uh, had some personal stuff come up in the in the life, and I've had my kids a lot longer than what I usually have. So that's that's kind of creeped into some of my hobby progress as well too. Sure. So, yeah, I suck at painting. Apparently, no, you're good at it when you do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm very happy with the way that my Starks are coming along. Um, I've got to figure out some paint schemes. I I picked up the Hero Box one, um, and after seeing uh, playing Brock and having one unit of Stark Sworn Shields. With, or uh, Soren Swords with uh, Bright and Tully as the commander in that unit, plus Eddard as an NCU. Um, they stuck around through several rounds of combats of both a unit of uh, conscripts and veterans uh, of Night's Watch, and they went nowhere at all. They they just basically held those two units for the entire game and it was great uh so eddard's getting some paint and so it was bright and so got to figure out how to paint those guys yeah yeah that's what free folk need they need some type of unit that can stick around because none of their units stick around right now and they don't regenerate as well as you would think compared to some of the other armies yeah because i think yours you have to you have to have the cards to do it you to the the tactical cards to do it right yeah, there's no built-in, and and even the one that's like for your NCU board, it's it's a replacement ability, so it's not like uh, Maester Amon where you put them down and somebody heals or nothing triggers like that. So I don't know if that's kind of stuff we're going to get if we ever get a hero box or anything like that, but it definitely feels 
lacking for your massive horde army um, to have extremely limited ways to to regenerate dudes. Yeah, I mean, I know you are getting a hero box, but it's just when it comes. Yeah, because right now I think the Ju- July release is going to be Rattlebones and then the Thens, but I think the Thens are kind of going to be our, our anvil unit. Right. Speaking of new releases... Yeah, let's get on topic. <laughs> let's talk about Alpha 3rd <laughs> Edition. How about that? How about that? Segway. You, you, you dragged Potter and I kicking and screaming into Song of Ice and Fire, and now that's all we want to talk about. Amen. Like, Amen. Photon. It's a great game. It's so good. Um, yep. And I'm, I'm glad you guys are in because I'm going to be playing it a lot more, too. I'm looking forward to the next Friday, a Song of Ice and Fire game, especially since the last time I was there, I had nothing painted. And by the next one, I'm going to have almost everything painted. It's going to be pretty cool. Anyway. Nice. Um, Malifoth. Third edition. So, Malifo Third Edition. Since we have a generalized wargaming podcast here, and we're not a Malifo podcast, I don't want to assume that any of our listeners know what Malifo is about, uh, and I don't want to spend a bu- I don't want to spend this whole time just talking about changes from Malifo two to three because a lot of people might be wondering just what the fuck is Malifo, right? Um, we've never done a full feature on it because when we really when we started this podcast, it was basically the end of 2e uh, and we've been sort of in limbo in the beta for the entire time which is crazy if you think about it from a timeline perspective man i didn't think about that but you're so right we've, we've never actually done like a full-on malifo episode despite it being like my sort of number one in my heart game even if it's not the game that i play the most even though really it is the game especially recently the game i played the most in the last month uh, I think I've played 10 different miniatures games, not, not like 10 different games, but 10 games of, you know, pushing plastic soldiers around and six of them were Malifo. Um, so I am playing a lot. So let, let's just generalize it. Right. So what makes Malifo unique uh, from all of the other miniature games out there? Well, can I start? Can I start with one? Yeah. Strats and schemes. Yeah, that's the to me, that's the biggest differentiator. So yeah, that's a that's if we a talk huge about one. this. For people who are listening that have never played Malifo, uh, what you're going to be used to is determining a scenario by like, you know, pointing at one in a book or rolling a dice on a table and you pick a scenario and that's kind of what you do, right? There are some games that have secondary objectives. Infinity actually has really good uh, like classified objective system. And there are some other games that have scenarios that have built-in secondary objectives and things like that. But uh, really, uh, mm-hmm. aside from Infinity, there's nothing that's even close to Malifaux, really, for, for the way that every game is very different. Uh, and that's because in Malifaux, you have a uh, fully randomized what's called strategy and then schemes. And so this is one place where we're just going to talk about how things work in third edition. And we're not even, we're, I don't even want to acknowledge second edition systems. So we'll just talk about how this works going forward because anybody who's listening to this now is going to be not caring about second edition. So correct. The way that it works in Malifo third edition is when you are first setting up your game, one of the, the things that you do is, Oh, another thing that separates Malifo that's important that we have to talk about right now is there's no dice. Uh, Correct. You you play Malifo with what's called a fate deck. Now a fate deck is just a proxy for a standard deck of cards. So if you have a standard sec- se- you know standard one through ten face cards and aces, you can play this game. Uh, and there is a conversion chart for what suit is what. But the fate deck has its own unique suits. Um, and we'll we'll get into those suits when we talk about triggers and things. Just know that there are four unique suits that have their own colors. 
Um, and that's, that's pretty much that. Now, what you do at the start of the game is that both players flip a card off the top of their fate deck. Uh, and the basically, the player who flips higher is the attacker, and the other player is the defender. Uh, and that's important for deployment, things like that. But it's also important because the attacker uh, will have initiative until the, the start of turn one, but also the suit that's flipped on the attacker's card determines what's called the strategy. So well, if you look at your suits, you've got um, rams, crows, tomes and masks uh, and each of those is going to represent a different strategy and so your strategies are the main objective that both players are for sure going to be doing it's basically a public objective that everyone's trying to do and so those four objectives out of the book uh, in Malfoy 3rd edition are turf war, plant explosives, corrupted idols, and reckoning. Uh, and every one of these plays very, very differently. Uh, and each one of them will be will help to determine how you can score uh, eight of or four of your possible eight points. So Malfoy is a game that's a that it's a game where you score between zero and eight points, and that's it. Uh, there's no other way to scoring and uh, to score, and very often you don't score for killing units. Some strategies you do, like uh, reckoning, for example. I'll just read that. At the end of each turn, a crew gains one VP if more enemy models were killed that turn than it has scored VP for the strategy. Uh, so what that means is, uh, at the end of turn one, for example, if you score one, mo if you kill one model, you get one victory point. Uh, and then going forward, you have to you have to kill more models than you have VP. So in a following turn, if you kill two models, you get two VP. And a turn after that, if you kill three models, then you can score three VP. So or a third VP, I should say. So you can see it's very hard to score four when your crews are generally between six and ten models. And that's just an example of one scheme. So that is the crow scheme rec or uh, strategy reckoning strategy. Sorry. So the other part of how you score and the other four points out of those eight are scored by what are called schemes. So how do you generate schemes? Well, part of, through part of setup, you now, uh, after you've uh, you know, done a little bit of stuff, you determine the scenario, you generate your schemes. And so the way that works is the attacker flips five cards from their fate deck. Uh, and the numeric values of those cards affect the schemes that are going to be chosen. Uh, and if any duplicates or jokers get flipped, you just reflip them until you have five unique schemes to pick from. So once those schemes are, are shown, that's, when, that's actually when you build your crew. So you bring a collection of models and you build your faction and leader after schemes have been decided. So right. the schemes... Uh, as you would imagine, uh, there are uh, 13 of them, you know, so 1 through 10 plus your three face cards, or in this game, 11, 12, 13, because they don't have faces. They're just <clears throat> severe cards. And so each one of those is also different. And what happens here is that when you pick the schemes, you pick two of them, but you don't tell your opponent which two you pick. And they remain hidden until you declare scoring for them. Each one of them scores you a maximum of two points. So that's where you get your total of eight, right? You can score four from your strategy and two from each of your schemes for a total of eight. But very often you won't, you'll, you're trying to play for eight, but very often you won't score eight. 
I think that's uh, that's pretty much the gist of how it works. And what that if you if you're thinking about now what that works out to is there are uh, many 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 permutations of the amount of combinations you can have. And there's also some bluffing and, and, and double bluffing even of which schemes you're gonna take. And then also, if you think about it, while you're playing, your opponent knows the five schemes. So you might uh, play to one of them that you didn't select to make your opponent think that you were playing into one of them, even if you're not, because you could make them waste resources trying to deny you a scheme that you didn't even take. Right, So very, very bluff. Uh, friendly game. Indeed, yeah. If you like a game where you can outthink your opponent, uh, Malifaux is definitely a game for you. Um, so that's the the big like the, the fate deck uh, in general, and the fact that the way that that you score is based on this very wide range of objectives, and and no two games are ever the same, right? Because you're going to be hiring slightly different crews, probably. The strats and schemes almost never come out all the way the same uh so uh and and especially if you have a few people to play right you can play the the replayability here is very high yep that's i mean that's the one thing that malifaux has always done well is objective-based gameplay I can hear you, Kevin. Can you, you hear me? I Now I can. Okay. I completely, oh, I, like, you started talking and you completely dropped off. Okay. All, uh, all I said was that Malifaux has always been known for its uh, objective-based gameplay. It's Chris, replaced. are you there? I don't think Chris is there. Let's check my phone. Oh, we lost him. Oh, he lost power. Oh, no shit. <laughs> wow. A comedy of errors, Paul. <laughs> all, all at the same time. Yeah, because I was going to tell you, like, hey, I'm still here because I could see you staring at me. Um, and then I realized that it had just been you and I going back and forth and that there was no Potter for quite a while. Oh, no. Wow. Our Malifaux podcast is doomed. Right? And this isn't the first time we've had a Malifaux podcast doomed. Uh-uh. We, I mean, that's why we haven't had one that we've put out, because we've lost two. Yep. Shit. What are we going to do? thing we might you might uh notice that potter cut out uh we just want to mention that we had a little bit of a power issue um and we're gonna pick up audio right after i started describing uh, strats and schemes with just paul and i 
Um, and this also might sound very weird if you don't hear Potter in the intro at all. So we will see how that works out. So this is just Kevin letting you know there's possibly some weird audio things going on. Yeah, which which for those of you uh, who are new listeners, we've tried to do Malifaux episodes before and they always get fucked up. Cursed, man. Bad things happen to our Malifaux podcast. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, so go ahead. Uh, obviously, the universe wants Third Floor Wars to be the only uh, North Carolina-based Malifaux podcast. You bastards. <laughs> yeah. Good for Craig and Ray. Um, <laughs> I I wish them many years of continued success. Uh, and that the for real. <laughs> I love those guys. Yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> love those guys. Um, so talking, we talked about strats and schemes and how the fate deck. Uh, and the strats and schemes make Malifaux a really unique game uh, and a game that you might want to really invest in. So let's just talk a little bit more about uh, Malifaux in general. So Malifaux in general uh, is a skirmish game. So I mentioned that, you know, you're looking at crews between really between five because you can. I've seen some five master lists. You can take between five and ten models, maybe more in some crews. Uh, and this is a heavily character-driven skirmish game. So you're going to have tarot-sized unit cards that have essentially uh, all of the unit's active traits on the front and the things that they do on their turn on the back. So everything you need while you're total, like everything you need all the time is on the front because those are the things your characters are always doing. And again, on the back are things that you're doing on your turn. Um, and the way that the game works is it's a um, uh, alternating activation game. So I activate a model, you activate a model. And again, very character-driven. All these characters are very thematic uh, and drawn out across eight factions now. So again, if you have a, an aesthetic that you're looking for, you have eight factions to choose from in Malifaux, and they're all great. Um, so Paul, if you're in agreement, we can just run through those really quick just so we can give people an idea what they might be looking at. So, so, say that again. I, I lost you for a second. Uh, again, it's the Malifaux episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, talking about the factions in Malifaux. Yeah, what about them? So... We've got eight factions to choose from. Sure. I just want to, you know, give give our listeners an idea that don't know an idea about the factions, how they operate, what Let's they do. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So yeah. the first faction to talk about, uh, I think there's, I think there's two, maybe three main factions that people associate most strongly with Malifaux, whether correctly or incorrectly. Uh, and we'll talk about those three, three factions first, uh, heading up with the guild. So, the guild is sort of the uh, government, if you will, that runs the Soulstone trade in Malifaux. So Soulstone is a precious resource that's only found in Malifaux. We didn't even talk about this either. Malifaux is a city and also a place that's on the other side of a breach that opens on Earth. And magic is very strong in Malifaux. And magic is essentially derived from Soulstone. So Soulstone is a very precious mineral. Uh, and the guild controls the flow of it. So the guild sort of acts like the law enforcement, and that's what you have. You actually have, uh, like, you have a character who's actually got a, the basically judge and jury uh, in there, uh, and that models are literally called judge and jury. Uh, and they have their, executioners in there, don't they? And executioner, right, in their, in their crew. Um, <clears throat> you also have, and her name is Lady Justice, right? So yep. you've, you've got and that everything. Evolved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, blind and everything, right? There's no shortage of metaphors or cinematic references <laughs> in this game. No, uh, not at you've all. all. You've 
You've also got like a, a, a lawyer, a shady lawyer. Uh, you've got a super awesome sort of paranormal investigator. You've got a reporter that uh, essentially is digging up propaganda style reports on the enemies of the guild. Uh, and so that the guild, uh, I'd say if they had a play style, it's shooty. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're that's they're, why they're, they're the best. There he is. Oh, Chris is back. I'm back. All right. Hey. So, the power. The power is back on. Potter being correct. The guild's pretty awesome. The second uh, faction and you guys, again, feel free to disagree with me if you like that. I think everybody associates with Malifaux that it's only seen it and doesn't know anything about it is Neverborn. The Neverborn are the local creatures that live in Malifaux. Like their their tagline is ours because they're trying to and not like ours in the day, like ours like this is our land. You guys need to get out. Uh, and they're primarily monsters and the old beings. Uh, and they, uh, if you look at them, they have really cool crews. Again, if you like monsters and demons and scary looking shit, like they have a guy who looks like a Cthulhu, and his whole jam is picking people's eyes out. So like. If, if you like that kind of scariness, uh, Neverborn is for you. I would say that Neverborn primarily can be seen as the glass cannon faction. True story. True story, and 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 I I can attest to that because I played Neverborn in ME2 for quite a long time, and they're definitely glass cannon. Also, note that none of these are hard and fast. It's just the generalization because there are masters in, in Neverborn that are not glass cannons. Uh, the new master primarily is definitely not a glass cannon. And in guild, there are crews that aren't super shooty. Uh, but it just as a like overarching statement, right? I don't want any Malfo heads to come after me because I'm like overgeneralizing because they're it's not true. It's just like the general play style uh, of the faction if you're looking at it. Yeah, I, I, I will say that um, that is one thing that frustrates me about Malifaux is I am a person that likes to collect a whole faction but as you guys know I have a certain playstyle and for the most part guild fits that playstyle for me combined arms very shoot more focused on the shooty aspect of it but every faction has a master that does everything else where you were talking about like your journalist that's Nelly when she was introduced that gave guild that ability to have that more of that that scheme running that guild didn't have before or they had it but it was just not as strong as what she brought and she brought a little of that into the guild uh, the faction so weird has done a good job of kind of balancing it but every faction does have its kind of shtick right but there are the like one or two masters shtick. to help them out yep yep all right and so the third faction and i think the faction that most people uh probably most closely associate Ma that their idea of malifo is definitely the resurrectionists Hell yeah! <laughs> I, I mean, resurrection. Those are the three, right? When you think about Malifaux, the three factions that people almost like inevitably gravitate to initially are Resurrectionist, Neverborn, and Guild. Um, and and I mean, those are those are the, like the icons of the game, right? That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean is that they're the icons of the game, right? And so there's no stronger there's there's no stronger icon I think of the game than Seamus. Um, I I. As much as yeah. I don't love Seamus, like I, I just I feel like the character of Seamus is problematic. People come after me if you want. I don't care, um, but I think his character is is deeply problematic. But 
outside of that, I mean, I can see the appeal and why it's cool. So he's basically an analog of Jack the Ripper, except for he's a resurrectionist, right? So he kills prostitutes and then resurrects them to do his bidding. Uh, he's basically like a, a pimp of the undead, and he uses dead prostitutes to do the things he wants to to have them to have done. Um, and I, I'm, if you can, if you don't think that's problematic, and you think that's rad, I'm, I'm with you. I just it's not a master that I personally would play. Um, Paul, hey, I, I, you know, look, look, um, I'm gonna tell you one thing. I am, I, I, as much as I do want to play him. As of right now, I'm not because I, I'm not a big fan of the models he brings. Anyway, I, I, I think he's, he's fine, right? It's just one of those things that, uh, like, I, there you can not like things about certain game, uh, certain game, and his his appeal just doesn't doesn't resonate with me. But I get why he does. I totally get it. I can see why you would think he's cool, and I can see why he attracts players to the game. And I think his mechanics are great. Like what he does now, especially like he is just such a scary master as he should be. Um, but outside of that, you've got your other people that you would expect to be in a crew called the Resurrectionists. So you've got Molly, who was a journalist also and was killed by Seamus and has now yep. come back. And she uh, is essentially trying to just unearth certain truths. And she plays it her own specific way. And then you have uh, um, doc, uh, Dr. Von Stuck, who's basically like a uh, Dr. Frankenstein style character that's like essentially like pushing together amalgams uh out of dead parts uh you have uh, and and that that's the way the resurrectionists roll right they're all about resurrection pulling things back from the dead uh and their faction is basically like again not every master is like this but their main thing is recursion uh they summon models and they have models that can take lots of hits it's like recursion and, and just basically pain absorption that's what they can do so that if you want to play shocking that i'm into the attrition army right if you want to play attrition this is the this is the faction for you in general terms um so the other factions just to go through them quick the arcanists aka the heroes of malifaux are a uh the guild would tell you a self-described heroes yep self-described yep they're they're the guild would call them terrorists maybe they are they are terrorists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they are terrorists. And they, I think, are um, a... Uh, if you look at all their faction as a whole, they also use a little bit of recursion. But they're, mo I think, to me, most closely aligned with uh, a Trixie faction. So each one of their masters has uh, specific tricks, and they're sort of like jack-of-all-trades, too, right? Like, they've, they've got a tool for every problem. Uh, and that's kind of, and, and that's uh, no clearer than the master Sandeep Asai. He's like the, the Swiss army knife of the faction. But again, every one of the masters has an answer for every problem. So if you want, you know, that, that faction that gives you the tools for every job, but they don't necessarily super excel at anything specific, Arcanists are great. Uh, the next faction to talk about would be the Ten Thunders. Uh, the Ten Thunders are, I think, the I, – I, and, and this is where it starts to get harder to generalize because the, the next th four factions are uh, either a complete mystery because they're brand new or they uh, have – it's really aesthetic choices because they have uh, pretty much a list that can fit anything you want. So talking about the Ten Thunders, they're the Asian-themed faction. 
but they have any play style you want. If you want a really super attack melee focused, no problem. There's a master for that. If you want to summon Japanese Oni and have a demon-led Oni party, cool, man. They've got a faction for that. If you want to play a monk who's super tricksy and has that like jack of all trades and answer for every problem, they have that guy too. Uh, so if you want to get and if you want combined arms, they've got that guy. So if you want a faction where you are able to dive deep into a faction and explore lots of different play styles, I think uh, Ten Thunders and the next faction are the factions for you. Uh, and that next faction being the Outcasts. Unless you guys want to say anything about Ten Thunders. I have a love-hate relationship with them. <laughs> I love their aesthetic. I, I can't ever get them to work for me. Yeah, it. You, I mean, it's master-dependent, right? Like, I, I would say you should play Misaki, but that's just me. That's who I tried playing to begin with. <laughs> well, you should look could, at third ed fi- Misaki specifically. Well, yeah, I, I have to relook at everything with third ed because so much of the models themselves have changed. Yeah, and we'll get into keywords and stuff. Her keyword, Last Blossom, I think would be really cool for your play style. Anyway, um, Paul, you got anything 10 Thunders wise? Uh, Yan Lo is apparently really awesome right now. Yes. So he's the, if you want a resurrection kind of dude recursion guy, Yan Lo is your 10 Thunders guy for that. And um, he also plays in Resurrectionist. He does. He's a dual faction master. Now, the next one to talk about is the Outcasts. So the Outcasts in the last edition, this is the only time I'm going to talk about 2E. Uh, they were like the mercenary faction, kind of. So they had a lot of characters that were mercenaries and can play well in other other factions. But they were also the place where the designers put ideas that didn't fit into other factions. So they gave them their own crews. Um, but that means they've got some really interesting crews. Like they have a crew that's super deadly in melee. Like like the, the Ginsu toolbox, if you want to slice dudes up, um they have they have your crew um but they've also got crews with the most experimental mechanics and a lot of those things have held through like they've got a a a character called jackdaw and jackdaw is basically a person who was uh essentially hung uh in a and maybe possibly didn't deserve it and his ghost is pissed um is is he dual faction i thought he flopped over to rezzers He's dual faction. Yep, outcast. Okay. But he's he, yeah. Cool. His his keyword goes for both. Yep. Um, and he's uh he is awesome. But and 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 again that's so that's outcast. And then we get to the faction near and dear to my heart, which is the Bayou, formerly known as the Gremlins. So the Gremlins, man, they're the coolest faction. You play the Gremlins. Or they're so fun. You play the Gremlins or you're wrong. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and and so Bayou is a as another faction where they've they've got a crew they've got a crew for everything, uh, and that's because their crews were supposed to, they were basically like bizarro versions of other crews to start. Uh, third edition mm-hmm. has separated them out a lot, um, and they're they're but that that still does hold true. They've got a really tight control master. They've got a force multiplier master. They've got a combined arms master. They've got a summoner master. Um, so they've got all that. But the thing about the gremlins that you have to understand is they have hijinks. So like all they, every one of their masters has something that like you think about the way Malifaux works and they're just like, no, fuck that. We're going to do that completely different. Uh, so like my main master, Ulix, 
he raises pigs and his main mechanic is he can basically raise pigs up bigger and bigger through the game so they can summon piglets and then use those piglets to grow them into bigger, scarier pigs uh, as the game goes on. And then when the pigs die, they can die into scheme markers, which are things we'll talk about. And you can use those scheme markers to attract more pigs onto the board. So it's just like more pigs, more pigs, more pigs all day. And it's very fun. You're a bad person, Kevin Shopping. You're a bad person. (laughs) And so if you want to play the funny faction, and especially like me, if you want to just have an excuse to go sue, while you're playing the game because that's actually an effect on my models uh you you definitely want to play the bayou uh and for anybody who's not you know just go google uh malifaux gremlins and you'll see what i mean they're extremely funny characterful i mean they have a, a model who's basically like daisy duke but a gremlin and she has an ability that horrifies things that aren't gremlins and attracts things that are gremlins because she's like the daisy duke of gremlins so just, you know, that's the kind of faction they have. But, I mean, these guys are, are – a lot of them are directly related to other masters that are in the game elsewhere. Yeah, I, I noted they're like the bizarro versions of other yeah, masters. Yeah, well, I, I, I kind of want to talk about um, uh, Ophelia and Perdita just as an example of that because I think they're the strongest example of that. So, like, in the, guild, are, yeah. in the guild, you have Perdita who, you know, has her family – uh everything's uh spanish southwest themed uh you have ophelia in the in the bayou and they're basically uh french themed but they all kind of have the same names as them because they're genuinely fluff wise looking at what perdita is doing and going hey they're really powerful uh we want to be like that because that's how some gremlins are and the thing that they see the most important to being powerful is big hats so uh, Ophelia led a raid on, on Perdita's compound and stole her hat. So now she's in charge and put together a family just like uh, Perdita has. So functions extremely similar uh, but different. So it's, it's very interesting to see that and, and how that functions in game uh, based on that, that fluff story. Yep, and that's e- I think that's actually equally true. As a Gremlins player of uh, Wong and Sonya, they're very, very yeah. closely related to in mechanically and like bizarro themes of each other. Um, and, and that again, that's true of most of the the most of the crews. They're kind of bizarro versions of other ones, other other masters. So the last faction to talk about uh, is the Explorers Society. So we don't know a lot about the Explorers Society other than that we have the the Boss Reeves box and he's the first uh, Explorers Society master uh, with McCabe. Uh, McCabe being dual faction 10 Thunders Explorers Society and Boss Reeves being uh, Explorers Society and Guild. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Chops, to interrupt you. Um, as someone that's not kept up with this game for many years, what the fuck is the Explorer Society? Well, that's what I'm trying to explain. Um, they are... So, originally... I'm going to read it right out of the book. Uh, originally established as a means to reinvigorate the long, dulled sense of adventure of its founder, the Explorer Society has since expanded the focus on unfurling the masters of Malifaux, or the mysteries of Malifaux and beyond. These aristocrats... Aristocrats. Sorry, not the Disney movie. <laughs> the people with wigs. <laughs> Aristocrats. Marie's going to come in here in a minute. <laughs> and pioneers. They got cats playing on pianos. <laughs> Venture into the unknown corners of this world to seek knowledge, discover new locations, and hunt big game. Their motivations are unclear, 
but their recent push to amass rare artifacts is not. So I think what we're going to see here is like a crew of big game hunters, like Indiana Jones style crew. Um, again, McCabe is here, and we all know that the alt McCabe has some cool Tumblr models that don't really fit anywhere else, and those are definitely going to be converted to Explorer Society models, I think is a safe mm-hmm. assumption. Um, and for those who don't know, Tumblrs are giant one-wheel things that you sit inside of and go cruising around in. Pretty cool. Um, Gen- General General Grievous. General Grievous rides a Tumblr, yep. Uh, but yeah, so that's the new faction is the, uh, Explorer Society. That is the eighth faction in Malifaux now. Did Malifaux really need another faction? Yes. If they do it right, yes. Yes. I always felt like there was a lot in it to begin with already. Especially with all the crossover that the game does. And I, and I love that the game does that crossover. It, it makes it very unique in, in, compared to a lot of other minis games out there. But I just, I don't know. I guess I didn't feel like it needed another faction uh, I, I like it me. I like the faction I like the aesthetic the aesthetic is something they didn't really have like having dudes that look like pioneer explorers isn't not isn't necessarily something that we've seen so far we've got cowboys and, and look bandits a little bit but I'm really excited to see the aesthetic of this faction especially after looking at the models in the boss Reeves box so 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 far right now it's McCabe and boss and bass. this boss reeves okay yeah. bass reeves yeah just Whatever. like wild west exodus guy well, uh, sh- sure uh but also like the guy isn't he like the lone range i mean boss reeves is a real person right so yeah ju- that's where that's yeah. where he comes from for wild west exodus yeah yeah there's a lot of crossover when it comes to the real people that malifaux has that wild west exodus has too since yep. they both take place in a very similar time period yep yep all right so that's uh, that's essentially the factions of Malifaux. So uh, getting into the core mechanics a little bit of how Malifaux works, the primary mechanic in Malifaux is the Fate deck. We talked about it a little bit when we were talking about how you determine strategies and schemes, uh, but it's also the core mechanic in the game for it, it drives everything else. So when you when you for example establish initiative at the beginning of a turn. Both players flip their their card, and the player with the higher initiative, or the player with the higher uh, card flip, is the person who has initiative. Now, there's also a another mechanic in Malifaux, which is called your fate hand. So, at the start of any turn, you're going to draw your fate hand up to six cards. Uh, in general, right? In general, you're going to have a hand of six, uh, and these can be used to what's called cheat fate. So, in most instances of the game, actually, you're allowed to cheat fate, including your initiative flip. Uh, you can cheat a card out of your hand. It's called cheating a card out of your hand, and it replaces the card you flipped on the deck. Now, six isn't a lot because most crews through the course of a turn are going to flip through three quarters to all or more than all of their deck. Uh, So only having six opportunities to cheat and also possibly not drawing good cards um, means that, you know, you're going to need... um, to manage your resources very wisely because that fate hand is a resource, but uh, you can cheat that initiative flip. And that's important to note. Uh, Right. You can't stone it anymore, right? You just just cheat. cheat. Yeah. And then there's a, you also, the way that this game handles activation control is at the beginning of each turn, you count up the number of models in each crew. And then the, the, the player with the lower amount gets the difference in models in pass tokens and then you can use those tokens to pass an activation and not activate a model but any that you don't use are added to your initiative flip 
uh, on the subsequent turn, and then they get wiped away. Right, so so you just said something, Johnson, when I was reading that rule, you just said a word there, subsequent turn. So can you do that where you can where you have those points on the initial you know, turn one flip? Is that something no. you can do? Or is it mm -mm. it's only turn two and beyond? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, and that's how I read it in the rules. I just wanted to make sure that I was I was right in the way that I read it. Yeah, because it has to do with when you generate the past tokens and it's after initial Right. Yep. Right. Okay. All right, cool. I, I, I thought I was reading that right. I just wanted to make yep. sure. Nope, that's correct. And so the, and then the general core mechanic is when you have a test or a duel, uh, you flip a card and then you look at whatever the target number for that is. So you have some simple duels, what they're called simple duels, which are when you're flipping and you're just trying to meet a target number. So this could be something like summoning where you need to flip, uh, your target number might be 15 and you might be starting from a skill of six. So you have to flip a nine or better uh, off the top of your deck. And and that's the core mechanic. And then in, in an, an opposed duel, like if I was to, say, uh, shoot at you or take a swing at you, we both flip. Uh, and then the onus is on the defender to beat the attacker's flip. That's an important distinction in Malifaux. A lot of games roll that the attacker has to beat the defender. Here it's the other way around. Um, the def it's on the onus of the defender to beat the, the flip because a tie still goes to the attacker in this game. Um, but again, you can always cheat fate. Lower player always cheats fate first. Um, and again, you can you can do that cheating to help mitigate the, the, uh, the flips. Um, there are also concepts called plus flips or fate modifiers. So there are things in this game that tr that basically enable you to flip extra cards and there's a context for that. So you're, if you're flipping what are called negative flips, that means you take you flip extra cards off the top of your deck and you choose the lowest card of the cards you flip. Um, and this comes into to play because this is the main way that the game balances swinginess is that a lot of attacks generate negative flips. So very often you're taking the lowest card that you flip off those, but there are also positive flips. And in positive flips, you flip multiple cards and then you get to choose as the flipper, which card you want to use. You guys cool with that explanation? Do you think I missed anything? Oh yeah. No, I think that's, good. I think that's spot on. That is the core mechanics to a T. All right. And there is one other little wrinkle to talk about. And that is like most card games you guys might've played. You don't remove the jokers here. The jokers are very important. You have a black joker and a red joker. Uh, so the tagline for this game is bad things happen. And that is, is in no way better represented than the black joker. Mm -hmm. So, the black joker is counted as having a value of zero and it can contains no suit. Also, once the black joker is revealed, the player must chose it, choose it. Even if they had positive fate markers and you cannot cheat fate. So you are stuck with that zero and that can mean very bad things for you. Uh, terrible things. And the other thing to note is that if you flip it on a damage flip, you still have to take it. And it means you do no damage. And there are things that say, you know, do, you know, do damage and then plus one. Like, you can't do any of that. There's no adding damage or anything. There's no mechanics that can change a Black Joker from doing zero damage on an attack flip. It is n not modifiable, always zero, and does not generate what are blasts, which are essentially template attacks in this game. 
Yeah, and those are very those are very useful attacks, so you really don't want to flip that black joker. Mm-hmm. And if if you've never played Malifaux before, I can guarantee you you're going to f- be on negative flips and pull the the red joker and then a black joker and you're going to feel sad but laugh at it. Yep, and that's important to note because again, the black joker is the strongest card in the game. The black joker trumps any other joker including the red joker. So if you if you draw the black joker, you must take it. That's uh that's how it works. It must be chosen if it's revealed. But there is the, the other swing of fate, which is the Red Joker. So the Red Joker is the only card in the game that counts as a value 14. Um, it also counts as a severe card, which we'll talk about a little bit later because there's moderate, weak, and severe cards. Um, but another thing to, to th- note about the Red Joker is the Red Joker, if you are on negative flips, it doesn't matter if you flipped weak cards. You can still pick the Red Joker. So the Red Joker is the one way out of negative flips. It's also worth noting you can't cheat fate on negative flips. That's also a thing that's worth noting. Um, But the thing about the Red Joker is that when you do damage with it, it does your highest amount of damage plus one, two. So it's also it's very good to flip on on damage flips, because even if you're on negatives and you draw like two weeks in the Red Joker, you're still doing your max damage plus one. Yep. Which is a nice feeling. Yep. Yes, yeah. it is. Yep. It's pretty great. Uh, and I think that that for pretty you, much, not your opponent, that pretty much covers the 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 main parts of the main mechanic of the games. So now we should just talk about other little features. I think of Malifaux that we like, um, because again, I think we can come back and we can do an episode about the changes, uh, specific changes. But I want to really keep this in, in, as a as a way of like interesting people in Malifaux, because with a new edition coming out, like, there's a lot of hype around the game, and I feel like the game is in the best state it's ever been in. Um, you know, I, I only picked it up in Wave 3 of Malifaux 2E, but I played through Wave 3, Wave 4, Wave 5, and I played a lot of Malifaux, uh, hundreds of games of Malifaux in 2nd Edition, played in multiple tournaments, and I, I can say pretty confidently, having pl- gone up against a couple crews and read every card at this point, I've read every single unit card because I'm a maniac, uh, the game is in a very, very good place right now because of the balancing that they've done and things that they've done with it. But I want to talk about things that we like and features we like about the game, just like little things. So do you guys have like any little things that we've talked that we haven't covered yet? Things like I'm thinking about stuff like triggers, the difference between how weak, moderate, and severe damage works, just like little things that you like about I the think, game. I, I think one of the things we have to talk about because it permeates the game 100% every moment of the game is triggers. Uh, we'd be doing anyone listening a disservice if we didn't talk about them. I'll go ahead and lead us off. All right, so so as, as Chops talked about, we have different suits on the different cards. And one of the important roles that those suits play is that when you flip your cards on your ability, you'll have what's called a trigger. And the trigger has a logo that matches up with the suits on the cards. So when you successfully uh, carry out an action and your suit matches the trigger, you can then do whatever that trigger tells you you can do, right? So on some of the guild models, they have the ram trigger, and that can allow them to do plus one damage. Um, a lot of this, and they're themed a little bit too. And a lot of the Rezor masters that summon, they're using crows. A lot of the theme comes through in the game, right? 
Right, and that's just it, yeah. is that, that the original four factions from the first edition all tied into a specific suit. Um, so all of those suits, like, your ram, <coughs> your rams very much have to do, you know, with with doing guild. extra damage, yeah. which is related more to the guild. Um, yep, and then so, in, and just as an example, with my, my faction and my master specifically, Ulix, the rams are typically, what happens is you, you're playing pigs, right? And they're doing damage, and the trigger on most of the pigs is called tear off a piece. So they they literally like bite some of your flesh off, and they heal when they when they flip rams. I so they do damage to you, and they models. heal. <laughs> I, I wish I loved the gremlin models because because they have some of the best rule the names for their rules in the they're game so like hands down they're yeah. so thematic they're so funny and i mean i love the way that the faction play i i just can't stand the models they're god ugly to me oh man that's too bad because they're they're to me they're my favorite models and they're they're the best faction i love i love the gremlin faction man um so here's another example so just to i i, I want to you know to be able to really drive this point home I think the best thing to do is just to like talk about like a specific model and talk about that specific model's abilities. You guys on board? Yep. Who are you, yeah, right. you bringing up? The Swap Hauler, a uh, definitive oh, Malifaux model, a model that every person who plays Malifaux either adores because they play them or hates because they played against them. Play so the against them. Those little <laughs> bastards. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> the slop hauler, uh, near and dear to my heart, is a, uh, is a, is a little tiny guy. Uh, and I want to talk about triggers in two ways, once in defensive triggers and once in offensive triggers. So they have a defensive trigger. So what happens is when the defensive trigger, much like an offensive, if you flip cards, right? And if on defense with a slop hauler, the card you flip or cheat in has a mask on it, you can take what's called a squeal trigger. Uh, and this says, mm. after resolving, this model may move up to three inches. And so what that means is you can effectively get your slop holler the fuck out of Dodge so they don't take another melee smash that possibly kills them if you have that mass card. And that's it's a squeal. It's, it's like super thematic for these little tiny gremlins that are running around. You know, they, they're hitting, they're like, oh, God, and they just run away. Yeah, I, and anytime somebody uses a squeal, I just imagine them, like, grabbing their butts and running. And running, right. Yeah. And, and so here's, a nut, here's, the, here's the main thing I wanted to bring the, these guys in for. Because so they have an ability. They have both a, a shoot and a melee attack. Their melee attack is called slop em up. So the cool thing about slop em up is it, it, does, it does pretty minimal damage. But as long as you hit a model with it, they get a uh, condition called adversary beast, which means beast models get plus flips when they're attacking it because they're covered in food, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, because you hit them with a big, a big can of pig food. Right, um, and, and the model themselves are carrying around giant buckets of slop. Right, and, and because they have giant buckets of slop, the trigger here is a tome trigger in this case, and it's called spread it around. And the, think about how thematic this is. So you hit the tome, and it's called spread it around, and what this does is it does a single blast, which is a 50-millimeter marker, and then any target hit by it also gets damaged and staggered because basically you hit the guy and then a bunch of slop came out and hit them in the face because they were you know <laughs> standing near the thing that you the slop bucket that you hit this guy with now they also have an ability called tossed slop 
So Toslop, if you can imagine, is them like throwing this putrid slop at a person. Again, pretty minimal damage. Also gives them adversary beast because they're still covered in food. Uh, but also has a ram trigger called Raining Food, and that is, when resolving, it's a ram, friendly pig models that would be damaged by the blast are instead healed to. Jeez. So you are effectively smacking the guy and doing damage with your slop, but the pigs that are near them that you put the blast marker over get to eat the slop and heal. Uh, and and this is Sounds how right. this game. Uh. This is how this game conveys theme, and every model is like that. Like literally every model in the game is like that. Yep, they're not. I mean, they're not all. Not all of them are as humorous as the gremlin ones, but there are definitely <laughs> lots of them that you'll look at and say, "I get that reference." Mm-hmm. Right. Yep, and again, that's just a single a single example of a single model. Um, and again, as noted, you know, they, they all do fun stuff like that. So, um, I think, you know, that, I think that's the main, uh, the main part that I wanted to, to relay there, you know, every one of them, uh, has their own like super characterfulness and all of them have triggers and things like that, that are super great. Yeah. I think that's one of the things I liked about the Perdita crew was, was a lot of that too. Like everything was so individual yet at the same time, it was fit in so well because it was a family and everyone was kind of keying off of each other and everyone was looking out for each other. Like we, you know, Francisco's um, El Mayor where he was, you know, trying to protect people, you know, um, Abuela with the shotgun wedding. Like it, it was, it was thematic to a T Everyone did their thing, and it was just—it was just very much like you could look at it. Like this is a family looking out for each other. The way that that faction was built, they—they they did a good job with it, and—and and that's one of the reasons why I loved it so much, as well as the fact that it was the most shooty thing that I could put on the board with a guild faction as well. For sure. Well, can we can we use that to uh, uh, begin talking about keywords? In, in a second, can I can I do one more trigger just? Again, because it's to, to in the same faction. So still talking by you. So an, an iconic model. In so the I guess yes. Whiskey golem. <laughs> so he's just a big golem made out of whiskey barrels that's filled with whiskey. Uh, and his defensive trigger also on a mask is called sprung a leak. Uh, and with this one, uh, after you resolve, every model within two inches of him gains poison plus one because he's spraying whiskey everywhere. <laughs> yeah yeah i gotta love that so again, guy man so good so good but anyway paul yes uh continue on keywords so let's talk about th- this is a big ch- this is a big departure from malifaux second edition um and i don't, I don't want to but it's but essential why, right but essential yes and so the main way that malifaux works is that you select someone to lead your crew uh there are different ranks of models uh they're minions enforcers henchmen and masters uh henchmen and masters are the models that can lead crews but most 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 often than not it's going to be a master uh and the masters and henchmen all have a keyword associated with them and then once you select the the leader of your crew uh you that you have to essentially hire if you want to hire for the cost on printed on the card you have to hire in that keyword um 
so like for for Ulix, for example, his faction is Sui. Like that's literally or his keyword. So he has to he has to hire Sui models. Or um, you know, like we talked about Last Blossom as well, right? So and and there are tons of them, right? Uh, um, what Wildfire is, for example, the keyword of a, a master called Karis and the Arcanists. Um, and all of the models in the game uh, come with one of these, one or multiple of these keywords, because there are multiple keyworded models. But effectively, what it does is it create, it basically self creates a system where you are hiring thematic crews, because the models that are keyworded are keyworded in a way that they have synergies with the other models in that keyword. And I, and I will tell you right now, this is the thing that has me the most interested in getting back into Malifaux is that because I will tell you right now, one of the most frustrating things for me as someone that came into Malifaux and, 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 and I am someone that has placed top three in Malifaux tournaments. Like it, and the only reason I did that was because I found, um, Oh God, what's his name with, uh, hungering darkness. Um, Lynch. I found Lynch and his, his crew was so easy to build because it was built off that brilliance theme so you know the the only time i ever modified my list was when i when i was going up into a, a scheme where i had a ton of scheme running that i needed to run i may have just taken out one or two models to put some terror tots in because they were easy to run but the rest of my core list was easy because everything was built on that brilliance theme every model in my army had brilliance or worked off of brilliance but going into every other faction i played with i you know i played 10 thunders i play, i tried outcast um i played guild heavily in in first edition i played guild in second edition twice i bought and sold my guild army twice in second edition it, it's so tough to build armies back in second edition for for me like that was one of my things that i, I could not stand coming into me3 with the the way that they've redone this this has actually got me very excited with the keywords and helping someone that's like me that like sucks at building these lists I have a way now that I can actually build it and feel like I'll be comfortable in what I'm doing. And you should. I think really it's an ingenious if thing. You still have your Lynch models. Lynch is one. Of, if, if I wish I had a Lynch crew because he's one of my favorite. He's only ten thunders now. He's not dual faction anymore. Um, and his his keyword is honeypot. Um, but that that honeypot thematic crew man is so cool. It has some of the coolest mechanics in the game. I yeah, unfortunately, I, the only Malifa models I own anymore are Guild. I I sold my Neverborn because he was part. I played him in Neverborn because I played him with um. Uh, Lilith, who unfortunately is no longer no longer with in us. The game. Dead. It, well, she's not dead. She's in prison. Right. Well. No, it's Nicodem that's Nic dead. Nicodem that's dead. Yeah, Nicodem right. is dead. Well, it, it looked like a lot of Rezzers got killed. <laughs> Well, no, that's just because Terra got flipped over to Outcast. Oh, yeah. And Ramos is being held hostage Earthside, and I think is going to be seen in the other side. If and Kaladi, who survives. knows? Yeah, so I, I will say super excited about the keywords. Uh, it's really got me stoked to looking back into it. This is my one thing that I'm excited about uh, that is my big thing for Malavo. Uh, right now, yeah. um, not something and, and so, not something that was there before, but definitely going forward. I want to flip into one of my things that's one of my favorite things about this this game, too, and that's upgrade cards. Um, so upgrades have had a significant change. They were a little out of control in 2nd Edition. 
Uh, <laughs> well, the, the thing is, this is an important thing, though, because it's going to segue a little bit into the way that the direction that Malifaux 3rd Edition is, is running, because we talked about how everything is themed out and keyworded, which makes it easy to buy, right? Like the new release SKUs will always have mm-hmm. the keyword printed on the front of the box. So if you want to play, uh, if you want to play Summer Teeth Jones, you just need to look for, for boxes that say Big Hat because that's his keyword and you get the big hat boxes because he's the boss, right? He's got the biggest hat. And uh, you, as long as you get those big hat models, you know they're going to be good with Summer Teeth Jones. Um, now, digging into the upgrades though, right? So now the factions have their own like specific upgrades. They can be assigned to anything, right? So now minions can take them, but you can only ever attach one upgrade. So a big change here though is that masters used to be defined by the upgrade suite that you took. Right, you could really customize the way your master played by the specific model, by the specific upgrades that you attached to them, and that's not going to be the case anymore. But I think it's been hinted at a little bit that one of the things that Weird is going to do is they they want to have alternate cards and possibly alternate models, so that if and, and primarily masters and henchmen. So they have leaders that play differently than the other versions. So you might have like Nekama A and Nekama B, right? And I don't know how you got. I want to. I don't know if you guys know that. And if you don't, I want to get your like, like f- at face value reaction to it. I mean, honestly, I I'm fine with that. I, I it works in other games and beats the pants off of uh, upgrade suites because just seeing the model uh, on the table clues you in as to what's different about them, right? Because that was always the problem with with things like 40k when somebody would build a wicked sergeant and you'd have no idea what was on him until you you know you got stuck in with him and suddenly he was destroying you right Right. and that was the nice thing about war machine is that you could see what model was on the table and know what that model was bringing so i fully support it i think that's a great idea that's that that is much better than upgrade options cool i'm uh, glad to hear that i think it's awesome too. i think it's rad i think having the multiple master multiple versions of the masters and i think that's a ways off um but i i saw it in an interview somewhere or something it stuck with me um but yeah so that that's possibly the way that the uh the game will head and the way that they'll differentiate masters from themselves and give masters alternate play styles inside of their keywords Rather than before, which okay. we had, which was upgrade bloat, right? Like I had a deck box for cards and a deck box for upgrades. Oh yeah, I remember that, it man. Was, that was it crazy. It was out of control. Yeah, I found my two e cards in the garage the other day, and I went, "Holy crap, that's a lot well, of cards." And I think, and I think, I think I've probably stopped playing around. I think it was like maybe wave four, like right when wave four came out with like this huge batch of upgrade cards. I think that's when I finished playing. And like, even then that was a lot. I didn't even finish playing till the end of ME2 where I know like Perdita, uh, like got more where she got shooting cans, uh, as an upgrade card. I think that was like wave five in like, I didn't even play during that. Like, and I know more stuff came out and I already had a ton yeah, of cards. Wait, wait, it was getting wave ridiculous. five was a double deck of upgrade cards. It yeah, it just was. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, yeah, uh, but again, and this is a way you know that they're simplifying that, and but but not in a bad way, right? They'll 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 have less card bloat, and the game will still be able to maintain its freshness. 
Um, so I think that's a smart design decision. And again, being able to like balance around thematic crews is smart for skew selection. Uh, and for new players, people who are listening that have never played Malifaux, like this is the best time to get in, uh, especially because you've got some pretty iconic masters coming in, in boxes right out the gate. Um, and a couple new masters too. So if you're just jumping into the game, there's some brand new masters with brand new play styles to jump into. Um, and all the boxes going forward are going to be super simple to know what you're buying based on that keyword. Yep. Which, which is interesting because it almost on some levels takes away the overall faction because you can just buy in keyword, be like, Oh, I'm really big on, uh, Leviticus. I'm just going to buy Leviticus keyworded stuff and be done with it. Yeah, you just buy amalgam uh, keywords but, and be done. And, yeah. and you can hire outside of that, right? You just have to pay a tax. They, the models cost extra. Um, but my point unless... is if you want some lower overhead to just be able to jump in, be able to dabble, and you or even if you keyword. just don't want just the mental keyword. overhead yep, just of trying to learn multiple masters, you can just pick your favorite master, buy their keywords, and by that's the keyworded it. models you're done and you're done yep for sure yeah and and so and i know we talked about this i think God, we i was it's been a while since we talked about this but our last podcast nasty. where we talked about me3 you know we we hit on that point as well too where it's like someone like me who very much is wants to pick and choose the kind of masters that i want to play in each one of these factions like i, I could just go get lynch and just and rebuild my lynch crew but never actually play 10 thunders like i'm just concentrating on the lynch stuff and still have guild as my primary yeah for sure it's super easy to play like rather than playing a specific faction you can play keyword and like that's exciting to me because i have every oni model because i just love the oni models so i don't have to worry about all the other 10 thunder stuff that i can take i can just focus on the oni keyword models that i have and i can play asami now who's the oni master um right or you know or the thing is is like i love you know, one of my things about Sonya is I, I I love Sonya with her flames and blowing stuff up from afar. She she hit with me. I'm a pyro. She's a pyro. Like a hit, I can just go get witchling models, and I don't have to worry about anything else. Yep, you like, don't have to worry about the go get the, witch the hunters power stuff. Yep, you can just get the the one keyword. Yeah, hundred percent. So for new players, I don't have to worry great. about bringing. F- and for returning players, yeah, I don't have players, to worry about bringing Franken grizzled veterans. You have some stuff sitting around, and you haven't really looked into what it will take to get back into Malifaux. Uh, specifically, if you played one faction, it's 40 bucks is what it's going to cost you. Well, maybe not even 40. If you want, if you want the physical stuff that weird produces 20 bucks for the rule book, that's got fluff up in front rules in the back, not a ton of fluff, but a little, and then 20 bucks for your, your, your pack and your card pack has every model in the faction like literally every model that was released and not just every model, but it takes into consideration every sculpt for every model. So you get a card for every sculpt for every model in that faction for $20. So again, 20 bucks for the cards, 20 bucks for the rule book, and you're off to the races in Malifaux third edition, which I mean, if you talk about version turnover, man, that's pretty epic. Like not many companies pull off a fee like that. No, that is that is an awesome way to to go about doing that. And, and also, and if you're a good uh, price point to y- get back yeah, in, yeah, yeah, and you can and and the materials are available free online. Uh, the full color art yeah, I was about cards to say. and the manual are free online. So if you don't want to pay the money, um, I personally I like the quality of Weird's cards, and I've seen these cards now, and they are gorgeous. 
Um, so I really want the cards, the, the tarot-sized, beautiful, full art bleed like cards. They're awesome. Um, yeah, uh, one of the local henches in this area, he had a tournament this weekend. Well, you know, bringing celebrating ME three coming in, and he put some pictures up. And the new the new cards are definitely. They're definitely the quality, you know, they're, they're really good. They're really pretty. And I mean, I'm looking at them right now, just on, you know, in PDF format They're and they're good, nice size stuff, but yeah, that cardstock looked good um, just from the pictures I saw. Um, and, you know, they looked, they look good in hand. Yeah, they're great. And they, and for, for also for returning veterans, if you're buying that faction pack, you can buy a pack of uh, any tarot sized card, card sleeves. I've seen the fantasy flight ones in action and they work gorgeously. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's that. Um, I don't know how much I have else to, to go for this episode. I think we're going to be coming back to Malifaux a lot in the coming months. Cause I'm, I'm super jacked on it, especially like after we did a little release party, it was a little bit of a snafu cause the distributor didn't get all of the stuff out properly. So we, not all of us had stuff. Um, but I ended up playing a bunch of games of Henchman Hardcore, which is a variation of Malifaux that you play in a half hour with a smaller crew. Uh, and I had a blast playing it the whole time. So I think we'll be talking a lot more about Malifaux in the future. Yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, I mean, we've talked about going into the factions and, and talking about different masters and stuff yep. like and that. Yeah, and then we maybe deeper like we've been doing. And maybe we can do a little deeper dive on the changes from 2E to 3E if that's a thing people want to to listen to us uh, go through. Because I've got a pretty comprehensive list of the changes, the specific changes from 2E to 3E. Yeah, I know. So that, I, if, I know. I would like to do that for sure. If you're <laughs> listening and you want to hear that, let us know because yep. if. Every, if other podcasts have already covered yeah. it and we don't need to. So, uh, um, Paul Potter, last words on Malifaux 3rd Edition. Damn it, Chops, I'm going to Atomic Empire this weekend. All right. <laughs> Mission oh, well, let me... Let, let me also well the the thing is is I would say damn it I'm gonna pull my guild models out but I actually did that this past weekend. Just, dude, so. pack them up, <laughs> buy that guild pack while you're there, boy. Oh man, I, I'm not. Uh, there's no reason to. I'm just gonna print it oh, off. Sure, it's yeah, free. Just print the cards you want, but the cards are. So I'm just going pretty. to go to. I'm just gonna go to you know at work and print them off. <laughs> well, there you go. Paul, I'm lost. Oh, I've been. You lost? I've been. I've been struggling because my master's dead, and I don't know how to fill the void in my heart. Uh, Mine's I'm going to set dead. you up with uh, with one of our uh, chat friends, who's also my local henchman, who is a uh, unabashed uh, resurrectionist player, and he'll steer you right. Uh, I can tell you that he All played right. von Stuck on, I'll be looking forward to uh, on Saturday, to you, Aaron. and that guy is amazing i think a perfect replacement for the whole the void that nicodem left i think you'd like him a lot and his models a lot um but I'll, we'll we'll talk about it more on the discord speaking of my last word about malifo buy some models and flip some goddamn cards this game is incredible it's as good as it's ever been holy shit play malifo uh getting back discord join the discord server <laughs> link will be in the description uh thank you so much to our patrons uh, honestly, you guys, the reason, like the reason that we record on a schedule and we try to get things out 
you know, the way that we do and we communicate on the Discord server and the things that we do are because of you guys. So thank you so much. If you'd like to become a patron or interested, you can go to uh, Patreon slash Three Men in a War Game, spelled out, not the letter, uh, Three Men in a War Game. Uh, you can also find us at that name on all the social media platforms, anything of your choice. You do that, do that Twitter, do that Facebook. It's all out there, Three Men in a War Game. Uh, and also... Thank you to Static as a City, uh, as always, for our absolutely fantastic post-hardcore melodies at the top and bottom of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. All right. He nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Bye. <laughs> confused look was because i farted and it was nasty (laughs) Uh, yeah right in with the ending awesome (laughs) yeah yeah pj might not give you uh resuscitation oh this wasn't a pj but but this wasn't a pj level fart man (laughs) that dog sometimes man like I've had, I've had a like so PJ like sleeps. Uh, he starts by sleeping on the floor, and then he creeps onto the bed. And then by the morning, he's like in between Ella and I at chest height. <laughs> um, and one morning, I it was like three fifteen. I woke up out of a dead sleep with his ass in my face, and it was like a, the rankest fart possible that woke me up. It's just a, a fist. A fucking face full of dog fart at 3.15 in the morning. <laughs>